Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they're played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. Listen closely. Good luck. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Mickey's a mouse, Donald's a duck, Pluto's a dog. What's goofy? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zayd, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. I'm very excited to welcome two first-time guests to the show as we share our memories of life growing up during Generation X. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Star Wars, First Blood, The Last Starfighter, or hair bands of the 80s, then this is one episode that you will especially like. Especially like. We're going to save the pop culture nostalgia of Generation X from being forgotten today with these two hosts of a nostalgia podcast called Our Warped World. These two have been friends for over 40 years, and their show is all about discussing friendship, marriage, kids, and the world as they see it, as they share their memories of life growing up during the 80s. Let's give a very quick hello to each of them now. Let's first welcome to the show a first-time guest, podcast host, and professional DJ. Please welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Glad to be on. I'm excited. My name is Mark. Again, you know me, 40 years of gym. Uh, I don't know if I'd say friends for 40 years, but we've tolerated each other. So I'm ready to take you down, buddy. I'm ready to take you down. All right. Let's also <laughs> welcome to the show Mark's co-host and Gen Xer, whose first concert was to see Tiffany. Oh, Please dude. welcome, Jim. Oh, journey. That's the way to start it. I like it. Thanks for being on the show, Jim. That's about him. Well, I regret there. putting that on there. Hey, everybody. I'm Jim. I'm co-host of Our Warp World. I've been married 30 years to my lovely wife. So actually, Mark is my longest relationship. <laughs> ready, ready to put him to the task. 
<laughs> Jim, I hope I didn't steal your thunder for your Gen X disqualifier by mentioning Tiffany. No, but you just embarrassed me. I don't even know how he can show his face, to be honest with you. I think he needs to be X'd out. Or... <laughs> Judges, is he an early disqualification? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. We'll, we'll let him stay. Before we start, let's give a quick overview of how we play the game. The show is broken up into three rounds of trivia and games. Whoever has the most points at the end of round three will win a chance at today's rad slacker prize. The power struggle. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. The game is called The Power Struggle, and in the game, you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. At any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle question. They only get one chance to answer it correctly, and if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power away from their opponent. As an added wrinkle to the game, if you solve the power struggle question, you will be awarded a whopping five-point bonus to your score. We'll play the clip a couple of times during the episode, so listen close and see if you can solve the power struggle. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the show. It's a game we call the Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life. In this game, we take facts about a topic and players take turns to identify them on the top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike, and the player who gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of the round will be awarded the power, the power, which allows the player who has it to make all the choices first in the game and wins all ties for as long as they control the power. As Gen Xers, we find ourselves in the middle of our lives. We have lived long enough to have perspective of the past and yet have so many unanswered questions about the world around us. What happens when we die? What is the meaning of life? How does one define what is and is not an 80s hair metal band? Well, we can't help you with everything, but we see hair metal bands as a derisive term applied to the slick, pretty, and pop-oriented heavy metal and hard rock bands of the 80s. The hair bands of the 80s remain one of the true guilty pleasures in music history. The hairspray, makeup, the catchy pop tunes touched up with some distortion were made for MTV. Wearing fashion clothing, heavy makeup, and large teased hair, the bands had an appearance that was more distinctive than their music at times. Though both their look and their sound became a curse in the early 90s thanks to the popularity of grunge bands, we're looking at you Nirvana. Hair metal band music is very polished and accessible. Big hooks, melodic choruses, and the ever-popular monster ballad typify the genre. Guitars are also very prominent, with nearly every song having at least one guitar solo. This episode's Facts of Life list asks you, what are the greatest hair metal bands of the 1980s? There was a great debate behind the scenes for this episode by all the judges at the Hall of Justice about which bands qualify to be put on this list. If the judges had loud arguments about this list, then I would expect the same from our guests and listeners as well. So take everything with a grain of salt. We did our best with this list. One of our judges came up with a handy guide to help decide which are hair metal bands and which are not. Here's his list. If you have two of the following, then you are probably a hair metal band. Three firmly puts you into discussion, and if you have all four, then you're probably going to be number one on the list. One, an accessible pop sound to your music. Two, excessive use of Aquanet and or makeup. Three, an excessive use of scarves, bandana, and or spandex. And lastly, if the guys look as pretty as the girls in the music video or on their album cover. The list rules are that these are all bands that had great success primarily in the 80s. So bands like Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, and Kiss will not be on this list. These are all bands that are best known for style over substance. So bands like Van Halen and Extreme will not be on the list. While, yes, some of these groups made massively successful pop-tinged metal albums during the 80s, they were either already successful established hard rock acts before this time 
and went on to some easy money or were just unjustly lumped into the genre thanks to MPV. We have 69 names on the list. And as an added wrinkle to this already confusing game, if you guess who is number 69, we will remove one of your strikes and give it to your opponent. So if you don't have a good guess, then make a really bad one and we'll see if that can work out in your favor. We played an exciting game of Astro Smash on our Intellivision backstage to see who goes first. And Mark didn't go into hyperspace quite fast enough to avoid the guided missile on the gray level, which gave the higher score to Jim. Jim, congratulations. Why don't you thank get you, it started? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, going off the uh, pretty as their pictures on the album, I'm going to go with Poison. Poison. Number two on the survey. Well done, Jim. Oh, that's easy. He's been listening to them for 40 years. He's never changed his radio station. Of course he's going to say Poison. <laughs> I don't think he knows anything outside the 80s. The cover art of Look What the Cat Dragged In arguably stands as the single most definitive photo-based image of the entire 80s hair and battle movement. The bassist Bobby Dahl once said, I never inspired to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock and roll star, and that's what I became. Okay. That's a lot to say about Poison. Sorry. Yeah, that is that. <laughs> Maybe too I'll much. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. First time I saw the album, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to that. And then I uh, heard uh, Nothing But A Good Time, and you go. <laughs> that one song probably sums up that band the most, right? Nothing yeah, But A no. Good Time. Because there's not much else to Poison other than just having a good time. Right. <laughs> Mark, what do you got for the list? Oh, it's the band I grew up with and seen enough. You can't go wrong with Motley Crue. Did Motley Crue make our survey? Of course it did. It's number one on the survey. Well done, Mark. If you guys end up in a tie, you have the tiebreaker by getting number one. Get used to this, Jim. Get used to this. I'm going to be one up on you the whole time, buddy. Motley Crue was like the Madonna of the hair metal scene consistently reinventing its look, starting with the leather-clad New York Dolls wannabes in Too Fast for Love, Satan worshippers in Shout at the Devil, Hair Rockers in Theater of Pain, and Bikers for Girls, Girls, Girls. The crew was all about conceptualism and stage presence, and it took it all to the hilt while becoming the number one hair metal band of the 80s. I should have known that one. Yeah, you should have. Jim, (laughs) redeem yourself. Get another one off the list. Death Leopard. Death Leopard? Number three on the list. Well done. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Rick Allen and, and with one arm drummer is the he's my hero. The Thunder God is the most amazing drummer, in my opinion. For sure had the most to overcome, no doubt about it. Yeah. Def Leppard perhaps never dressed quite so outlandishly as many of the others on the list, but their albums throughout the 80s certainly fit the sonic landscape and proved profoundly influential on their contemporaries. The enduring popularity of Pour Some Sugar On Me in strip clubs alone is testament to how hair metal their music actually was. So no strikes for either of you. Mark, back to you, buddy. Gotta do this one. You gotta like Whitesnake back in the day. There's no doubt about that. I grew up with Whitesnake and David Coverdale, so it's gotta be on there. It's gotta be on there, but not in the top 10. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was number 12 on the list. Oh, man. Mark, that is one strike for you. Jim, oh, keep your okay. strikeless streak alive. What do you got? Uh, if, we're, if we're talking the more makeup than anyone that I know, even Tammy Faye, we're talking D. Snyder with Twisted Sister. <laughs> Twisted Sister? <laughs> Number nine oh, on the list. Wow. Well done. Jim, you're crushing this list so far. You're doing well. Though legendary frontman D. Snyder thinks Twisted Sister should not be considered a hair metal band, it definitely qualifies. The importance and impact of Twister Sisters, we're not going to take it, and I Want to Rock on 80s hair metal simply cannot be overshouted. 
pilot top that Mr. Snyder's heroic stand for free expression against the PMRC and Twisted Sister's place in hair metal pantheon can never be sanely questioned. Mark, back to you. They're not in the top 10. I'm going to be shocked, but I'm going with Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, number four yeah. on the list. Well done. Bon Jovi is a band that might be on the line when talking about whether it belongs on the hair metal category or not. The judges thinks it does, and if that's the case, it needs to be near the top of the list. After Slippery When Wet took over every form of mass communication in 1986, John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, and their cohorts scaled unprecedented peaks of hair metal megastardom. Jim, what do you got? I'm going to go with Warrant. Warrant? That's another correct answer. That's number 10 yeah. on the survey. Good job. A band that milked every ounce of MTV obsession with hair metal. It's almost as if Warrant was the boy band of the movement. Matching outfits with their names on the sleeves, choreographed moves, and focusing on the video and not necessarily the song. Come on. If there's ever a song made for MTV, it was Cherry Pie. <laughs> Give the band credit. Warrant knew how to follow a formula. Fans still want to hear it today. Mark, you only have one strike. There's only a few answers remaining. Can you stay alive? I'm going to try here. And I, when I first heard this band, I didn't know if they were boys or girls. But Cinderella. Cinderella is who I'm choosing. With a name like Cinderella, how could you be so confused? <laughs> it's number seven on the list. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> John Bon Jovi helped give this Philadelphia area band its break. And it delivered two quality albums during the 80s. Only three answers remain, Jim. Can you get Ooh. one of the three? I'm going to go with Europe. Europe? It's yeah, on the yeah. list, but number 31. That's 31? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised there. We're missing an obvious one. I can't think uh, of There is one. I know. You're I missing three obvious it, ones. So. Okay, three. <laughs> <laughs> so that's only your first strike, Jim. No problem. Mark, back to you. All right. I got to give it one try here. I got to go with Winger. Oh, damn, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Winger? Number 16 oh, on the list. Number 16, 16 on the list. Just yeah. missing it. So that's two strikes for you, Mark. Jim, back to you. You're still in the lead with only one strike. Go for the number 69 one. Just get. Yeah. If you don't Glenn, have a good guess, then give his, a bad guess. Glenn Miller and his orchestra. I don't... <laughs> Is Glenn Miller one of the top 80s hair metal band? Mm. Oh, that's number Glenn one Miller billion on the, the list. 80s. Jim, that's only your second strike. You can still win this if Mark does not give a correct answer right here. That's a, if this is, I'm really guessing here, but I can't think, but slaughter. I'm thinking it could be slaughter. Nancy, I've got you beat on the top, outside the top 10, Jim. <laughs> Mark, I'm sorry. That's your third strike. That means Jim, congratulations. You have one round one. And that means you have the power. The power is yours. First time in his life. Ask his wife. <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> Let's go down to the top 10 list and reveal what was left. Number 10 was Warrant, as you said. Nine was Twisted Sister. Eight, you did not say. And that was the band Dokken. Oh, I were in my head. So I didn't think they'd hit a top 10. Elm Street. Uh, real quick, I am still waiting to start my side podcast with my friend Bill about this band called Talkin' Dokken. Shout out to you, Bill. Happy 50th birthday, dude. Number seven was Cinderella. Number six, you did not get, and I thought this was the most obvious one left on the list, and that was a band called Rat. Rat. Oh, Rat. yeah, Rat. Uh, yeah. Number like five, Rat. you did not get as well, which is a band called Quiet Riot. I was going to say Quiet oh, Riot. No. White Snake. <laughs> Quiet Riot was, I think, kind of a bubble band, whether it was or was not a hair metal band, but it made number five on the list. Bon Jovi was four. Three was Def Leppard. Two, Poison. And one, number one, you got, which was Motley Crue. 
Well done, guys. Good job. Good job, Mark. What was number 69, you might ask? Yes, I was wondering that myself. White Lion. <laughs> For those of you playing at home, number 69 on the list was a band called Striper. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you? from being Gen X. Welcome to the show, Jim. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. All right. Well, my name's Jim. I'm a notary public loan signing agent. To qualify me as Gen X, while all you youngins were sitting on your butts playing video games for hours, I stood at the arcade spending hard-earned money, not my hard-earned money, but hard-earned money playing those video games. My disqualifier would probably be Nirvana sucks. They ruined rock music. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. What the hell is the matter with you? Well, we're going to find Crazy. out a little bit more about Nirvana later in the episode. And also, please welcome to the show, Mark. Mark, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and please give us your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Well, I'm Mark. I, you know, I'm, I'm plugging our podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of uh, our, our work world. Happy to do it. Also a professional DJ on a company. So I'm happy about it. Happy to be here. I think my, uh, you know, qualifier would be single CD disc players. Kids don't even, you know, you find those now they're like in hot demand somewhere because all you see are like the five. But I think a single CD disc player is going to win me on that, I think. But a hot demand, dude, if you find those today, they're in the museum. That belongs in a museum. I know you can't find single discs and I actually have a couple of them that I don't let anybody even, and they actually work. So, you know, I don't let anybody mess with them, but then my disclaimer, I guess, um, I never got into like dungeons and dragons and all that, you know, from, I never did that kind of stuff. So I always was, I, I wasn't, I would always be like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what you guys are doing. And Jim, you played it. So I didn't even want to hear it. I played you it on television. I didn't play it. I didn't like it. <laughs> Judges, do these contestants have the proper credentials to continue being on the show? Well done. You guys can stay. All right. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to the power struggle. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. All right. Mickey's a mouse. Donald's a duck. Pluto's a dog. What's goofy? <laughs> Round two. Round two of this episode is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points will be awarded for each correct answer. Two points for a complete correct answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. The judges require that all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect they might be. So if you say, I don't know here on the show, you will lose a point and get slimed. Whoever has the most points at the end of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that the two of you will be playing for in this episode. Let's get a scoring update from Robin. All right, it's a pretty close game. Mark has six points. Jim has eight and holds the power. So Jim, you get a pick between these two questions. Will it be, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper, which is a movie question? Or will it be a shark? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
which is a television question. Are you a little short first arm trooper? Well, yeah, I am a little short, Jim, but you only got to make fun of me for it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Here's your question. Star Wars redefined how we think of science fiction and elevated it from a lower tier movie genre to a major player in Hollywood. The Empire Strikes Back gave George Lucas true independence from Hollywood and the rest of the franchise made him oodles of cash. He ultimately sold Star Wars to Disney, which is still producing movies, TV shows and video games today, whether we want them or not. Stay on target. Here's your question. In 1977's Star Wars, what numbered detention cell was Princess Leia held in when Luke and Han came to her rescue? This is a multiple choice to help you out. We're all not all giant nerds. Is it A, 2191, B, 2187, C, 2175, or is it D, 2169? 69! I wrote a B. <laughs> I want to go with B, 2187. B, 2187 is absolutely correct. Well done, How the Jim. hell do you know? That's crazy. Because right there. It's also Finn's uh, Stormtrooper number in the new movies. Well done. Is there like a nerd alert that we can hit? There's got to be a button we can hit. That's got to be created on your shows. <laughs> well, then it'd go off every time I open my mouth, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jim, thanks for stealing my fun fact Sorry. about uh, Finn, but we'll come up with something else here. He knows too much about Star Wars. I knew I would do that, too, and I swore I wasn't going to. When Star Wars was first released, George Lucas was so sure that the movie would flop that instead of attending the premiere, he went on vacation to Hawaii. A crazy move in hindsight, but it was on this vacation that George Lucas came up with ideas for Raiders of the Lost Ark with his good friend, Steven Spielberg. After the vacation, they pitched their ideas, resulting in Spielberg and Lucas making a deal with Paramount Pictures for five Indiana Jones films. Sadly, they only got to do three together, with the remaining fourth indie film currently in theaters being made by others. Did you guys get a chance to see the new uh, fourth Indiana Jones movie yet? Not yet. Not yet? I thought it was five. Is it five? There was only four Indiana Jones films ever made. Kingdom of the Crystal Crystal Skull is... I'm sorry, Jim, you said something. It kind of cut out right there. I don't understand. Should I shut up? <laughs> well, it cut out on the, I don't know if it's the Zoom call or what, but uh, oh, you said uh, something. Kingdom of the Crystal Crystal Skull is for, and then. Not, uh, cut out again. I'm sorry. I, okay, I, can't, I don't understand. <laughs> I can't get the, it's something, there's a bad internet connection. But... Hey, Jim, what was for again? I mean, what's, yeah, what there's there anything I like more Star Wars, it's uh, Indiana Jones. So. Yes. Yes, I look. <laughs> First three are awesome. One is Mark. <laughs> yes. Here's your question. It's called a shark. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It is a nice. television question. Happy days gave us many things, lots of laughs, several spinoffs, and a plethora of beloved characters. But it could be argued that the single best contribution to Gen X and society in general is the Fonz. During season one, Arthur Fonzarelli was a secondary character and Winkler was listed in the end credit. By the second season, he surpassed a lot of the characters in popularity and was officially a main character. Here's your question. Before donning his iconic leather jacket in season two, what outerwear did the Fonz regularly wear? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, a gray windbreaker? B, a black duster coat? C, a denim jacket? D, a mechanics jumpsuit? Or is it E, a tan members-only windbreaker? I am going A, the grayish windbreaker. Was it not? If you said A, a gray windbreaker, 
Then you're correct, Amundi. Yeah, I remember all of them. So. Nice. Good he job, was secondary Mike. to Ron Howard. Yeah, but they almost changed it to Fonzie's Happy Days. They did. That was still Thunder again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> fine. You're stealing my fun facts, Jim, but that's okay. I'm a plethora of useless information. <laughs> it really is. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. Worried that the leather jacket would be too edgy, the show put the Fonz in a gray windbreaker for season one. The gray windbreaker was thrown away after the first season, and the leather jacket is currently on display at the Smithsonian, and rightfully so. Robin, what is the score update after the first two questions? Still a really close game. Jim has 10 points. Mark has eight. Jim yeah. still has the power. Every time you say that, it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Mark has trouble with that. <laughs> Jim, here's your two questions you get to pick between. Is it, he's a darn good paw, but he hates the law, which is a TV question. Or will it be the do I feel lucky video game question? The do I feel lucky question is a special kind of question. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? This category means that the question to be asked is either impossibly hard and eccentric or just super easy. Your destiny is in your own hands here, depending on how lucky you feel. Punk. So you can take the do I feel lucky question or go with the he's a darn good paw and he hates the law. Oh, bad. Do I feel lucky? All right. Wow. Nice. Wow. If I beat him too much, I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, you only have three seconds to answer this question once I, I'm done asking it, or else I'll be forced to give you more time to answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> the do I feel lucky question is, in what year was the Super Nintendo Entertainment System first released in Japan and South Korea? Punk. 1982. 82 is? Mm. Incorrect. Ah. Mark, you have a chance to steal. Uh, 83. 83 is also incorrect. It was 1990. Oh, wow. oh yeah. We, we forgot about Atari 2600, 9600. This is the, the Super yeah. Nintendo system, not the right. regular NES. Yeah, okay. There you go, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, no points for anybody. But, Mark, you get a chance to answer this question sure. and score two points. It's called, He's a Darn Good Paw and He Hates the Law. Married with Children was created as a direct contrast to the Cosby show. The Cosbys were the first black affluent loving families on TV, but the Bundys were white, poor, and hated each other. In fact, the working title for Married with Children before it was finalized was Not the Cosbys. Here's your question. What was the name of the main character on Al Bundy's favorite TV show Western set in 1865? Yeah, I do know this. It is a multiple choice. Okay. Is it A? Crazy Pop? No. B, Outlaw Paw? No. C, Cowboy Daddy? No. D, Psycho Dad? Psycho Dad. It's Psycho Dad. I'm singing it in my head. Psycho Dad. Psycho Dad. And he's sitting in front of the couch. <laughs> you stepped on my joke answer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> or is it E, Country Thunder? Yeah, <laughs> country thunder. No. Listeners, you're gonna have to go check out his podcast to get that inside joke. <laughs> you're gonna go with Psycho, D, Psycho Dad. Psycho Dad is all yes. Psycho Dad is my answer. Well done. That is, of course, the correct answer. Psycho Dad was quote a simple saga of a guy run amok in the old west. 
It becomes Al's favorite show since it simply portrays a man who violently kills his ex-wives. We know it's to be set in 1865 because in one episode, Psycho Dad attempted to kill one of his wives, but she managed to duck after he tried to shoot her in a theater and the bullet hit U.S. President Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) TV in the 1980s and 90s was sure a different time. Very different time. Should have taken that one. Yeah. Al Bundy was played by actor Ed O'Neill, who was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2011. The ceremony was attended by his two TV wives, Katie Seagal and Sofia Vergara, and his star was placed on the sidewalk in front of a shoe store. (laughs) Nice. Well done, Mark. You've tied the score. Jim, you get a pick between these two questions. Will it be Greetings, Starfighter, which is a movie question, or will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge? I'll take greeting Starfighter. Give him a no. <laughs> the last Starfighter was a notable work. The last Starfighter. Oh, boy. <laughs> that blood sugar is running low or something. I'm, I'm losing That's it. That's my name. <laughs> the last Starfighter. <laughs> uh, the last Starfighter was a notable work for a number of reasons. For any musical theater fans out there, this was the final movie role for Robert Preston, who played Centauri. Most notable, though, it was among the earliest films to include extensive CGI. This sci-fi fantasy captured the imagination of pretty much any arcade-going teen from Gen X. I mean, the premise of being really good at your favorite arcade game that could secretly be the key to heroism, adventure, and purpose? Dude, sign me up. Here's a question. What is the name of the secret weapon that the main character, Alex, desperately activates once his other weapons are depleted in the final battle with the Kodan mothership? Was it Daniel? No, it was Rose Blossom. Rose Blossom? Yes. That is incorrect. Mark, there's a golden opportunity for you to swoop in. Uh, what was the sled's name? Rosebud? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was Rose something. Judges, is it Rosebud? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. You were close, Jim. Death Blossom. Death Blossom, Rose Blossom, Rose, Rose Death. That's a huge difference. Well, here's the fun fact. Like most Gen Xers who love this movie, I have always wanted to play this game to see if I could beat the record. You gonna bust the record. A real The Last Starfighter arcade game was promised by Atari in the end credits of this movie, but was never released. The game was abandoned once Atari representatives saw the film in post-production and decided it was not going to be a financial success. However, the judges tracked down a group called Rogue Synapse, that has created the Last Starfighter arcade game based on the footage of the film. The game is available to download for free, and we have provided a link in the show notes in case anyone awesome. wants to check it out. Can't wait so, for that. Yeah, you'll need a joystick <laughs> to play it on your PC, however. I wanted to play that. I have my own little thing where I'm at a trailer park in New York. I'm 14, and I'm playing Stargate. And I've got this crowd of kids behind me because they had just gotten a Stargate machine. I've been playing it for a year out here in Phoenix. And I got this crowd of kids behind me. And this is my my last Starfighter moment, you know? Nice. My top score where you got to write like 20 characters would didn't even make the bottom 50 score on the uh, actual game back here. <laughs> yeah. The times where you were good enough at an arcade game that you would gather a crowd to peer over your shoulder and watch you play. Like, yeah. I don't think there's any other honor you can have in the arcade than that. <laughs> I think the only thing that could top a crowd tr- surrounding you is when you're playing the game, someone puts their quarter on the screen to save their spot in line and then watch you play for a while and then remove their quarter because they yes. know that they're going to be waiting too long to go play something else. That's yes. like the ultimate sign of respect. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Mark, this is Cinema Soundcheck. This is a head-to-head challenge. 
For this question, I will give you the title of tracks for a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player who will give me a new movie title with each turn. Points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. So there are eight track titles on the list. And longtime listeners of the show knows that the judges get really upset when our players seem to get the answers to this one too quickly. We have tried to make things more difficult from episode to episode, but nothing seems to work. So this episode, we are going to make a change to the points that this game is worth to see if that spices things up or not. We'll see. For this episode, the number of points you will receive for a correct answer will match the number of songs revealed. So if you get the answer correct on song three, then you'll get three points. Song four will be worth four points and so on, all the way up to as many as eight points on the final clue. So you'll need to think of your strategy of when you want to get the answer correct and score as many points as possible, but not allow your opponent to get it before you do. We're going to try this change out and see if we can finally satisfy the judges. I mean, a lot of people seem to like the show exactly as it is. So being a graduate of the George Lucas School of Fan Service, naturally, we have to make some changes that nobody asked for. Mark, you're going to go first. I'm going to give you a song title, and you need to tell me the movie that you think that this song was on its soundtrack. Got it? Okay. Song number one is called The Star-Spangled Banner. What movie had The Star-Spangled Banner in it? Oh, yeah, goodness. I have to give something. Um, or else you're going to get slimed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's not get slimed. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off is incorrect. Jim, over to you. Song two is Beirut Vacation. So far, we have Beirut Vacation and the Star Spangled Banner. If you get it right here, you get two points. Wilford Brimley Tours the Middle East. That is surprisingly incorrect. (laughs) You're kidding. (laughs) Don't you remember we went and saw that, Mark? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Mark, here's song number three. We're three points. If you get it here, correct. The song is called God Save the Queen. We got God Save the Queen, Beirut Vacation, and the Star-Spangled Banner. And that movie is? Good Morning, Vietnam. Incorrect. <laughs> oh, the judges are so happy right now. We're getting at song number four. We're just grinning over on the side We're stage. horrible at this game. <laughs> okay, we made it more difficult. Song Thanks four. on our part. We appreciate it. The one week we come on. Thanks. <laughs> Whoever's going to get this is going to take a giant lead. So this is an important one. Song four is called? Anyone can be an assassin. Jim, what does anyone can be an assassin? God save the queen. Beirut vacation and the star spangled banner have in common for a soundtrack. Wilford Brimley tours the Middle East. Too. <laughs> the sequel? The sequel. <laughs> That's gotta be it. It's gotta be it. <laughs> that is incorrect. Okay, Mark, back to you. This is song number five. It's called Baseball Medley. Baseball medley. Anyone can be an assassin. God save the queen. Beirut vacation. And the star spangled banner. Major league. Major league is a great guess, but is also incorrect. I thought that was it. (laughs) Okay. So here's song number six, Jim. You get this correct. It's worth six points. It's called I Must Kill Frank. The Naked Gun. The Naked Gun is correct. Well done. That's worth six Frank points. Frank gave it away because the only other show there was a Frank in was freaking MASH. <laughs> there was no other Frank <laughs> in show on TV. 
It's a movie question, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Man, there's not a lot of Frank's. That was very hard. That was digging deep into cinematic history. Thank you, Zay. Yeah. Uh, well, we tried to make it more difficult on this one. <laughs> so I'm going to run down all the song titles so those listening see where you would have gotten it. Song one was The Star Spangled Banner. Song two, Beirut Vacation. Song three, God Save the Queen. Four was Anyone Can Be an Assassin. Song five, Baseball Medley. Six, I Must Kill Frank. Song seven, we did not get to was I'm Into Something Good. You yeah, that? I definitely would have got it. And if you didn't get it by then, song eight was Police Squad Main Theme. Oh, that's it. Good, good, good Joey, Jim. I'll give you that. Good job. Thank you. Here's the fun fact. Sadly, the star of the movie, the great Leslie Nielsen, passed away on November 28th, 2010, at the age of 84. He was laid to rest in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, with the Naked Gun theme playing as Canadian Mounted Police carried his coffin. So, to honor this comedy legend of Gen X, take a moment to close your eyes, but not if you're driving, and picture a coffin being carried by Mounties being laid to rest while this song is being played in the background. R.I.P. Leslie Nelson. Did they put the, the uh, siren thing on top of the coffin? <laughs> and they bumped in the wall. I mean, and this is also a fun fact. Leslie Nielsen, I swear, was 84 years old when he was doing the Naked Gun movie. <laughs> yeah, he looked 84 in Airplane. Bad. Okay, Jim, you get to pick between these two questions. These are the final two in the round. All right. Killed for Vagrancy in Jerkwater, USA, which is a movie question. Or will it be, name that auto-tune head-to-head challenge. The auto-tunes. Mark will get those. We have to play it either way. I know. I'm going to take the kill for vagrancy and jerk off. Oh, my God. He's got no cojones. He he has none. Hey, he did the uh, do. Am I feeling lucky question. So he. Yeah. (laughs) You bombed. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) Here we go. Kill for vagrancy in Jerkwater, USA. It's a movie question. I love that title. That might be the title of the episode. I don't know. First Blood gave Sylvester Stallone his first hit role since Rocky. Unlike Rocky, Stallone was not the sole writer for First Blood but he did have a heavy hand in adapting the character of Rambo for the big screen. Most notably, he fought tooth and nail to keep Rambo's rant to Troutman about his experience as a Vietnam veteran returned home to contempt from the people and little to no support from the government, something the studio wanted to cut from the film. He also didn't back down when the studio legend originally cast to play Troutman bailed on the movie at the last minute when his more sensationalized version of the movie was rejected. Here's your question. Which iconic actor was originally cast as Troutman, but left production just before filming began? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Sir Lawrence Olivier? B, Kirk Douglas? C, Tony Curtis? D, Rock Hudson? Or is it E, Richard Simmons? Might as well be Richard Simmons. I'm going <laughs> to say Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas. Is correct. Oh, well done, Jim. Wow. Way to narrow it down there, Jim. <laughs> no, it could Rock have been Richard Hudson Simmons. Come on. Was well, Rock Hudson still one. alive when freaking Rambo came out? Well, listen to the fun fact and you'll find out. Douglas wanted the movie to align more with the 1972 novel it was based on and a more beefy role for Troutman. According to Stallone, Douglas wanted Troutman to kill Rambo at the end and be seen driving away wearing Rambo's headband. When this idea was rejected, he quit. Rock Hudson was offered the role, but declined because of health reasons. Richard Kruna was ultimately able to fill in and had his lines fed to him through an earpiece for the first few days of filming. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? 
You send that many. Don't forget one thing. What? A good supply of body bags. Okay, well, that's two more points for you, Jim. Mark, here's your last chance to score some points. Come on, Mark. Catch up. The question is called, name that auto-tune. It's a head-to-head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song, and you have to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. Mark, this song is for you. Song one, it's a song from 1987. It is listed as an alternative slash indie rock Christian song. Oh, great. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the judge's version. I want to feel sunlight on my face. I see the dust cloud disappear without a trace. I want to take shelter from the poison rain. Artisan title, Mark. Where the streets have no name with you two. Let's reveal it and see if he's right. I'd accuse him of Googling, but I know Mark's a huge YouTube fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, went to the right one. Here's the fun fact. The video shows you two putting up an impromptu concert on the roof of a Republic liquor store on the corner of 7th and Main in Los Angeles. The video led to some surprise looks as some onlookers were delighted, while others were upset because they were stopping traffic. Whatever, boomers. <laughs> the concept was similar to the Beatles' famous Apple Records rooftop concert on which they used in the movie Let It Be. When asked about the similarity between U2's rooftop video and the Beatles' rooftop concert, Bono said, we've ripped off the Beatles many times before this. (laughs) Here's song two for you, Jim. It is a pop rock song from 1983, artisan title to this song right here. Someday, love will find you. Break those chains that bind you. One night will remind you. Oh, he knows this. (laughs) What do you got, Jim? Separate Ways by Journey. World Apart. He's right. dramatic great video well on that that is correct <laughs> wait did you say the part in parentheses jim yes worlds apart okay all right maybe he does not point. get an extra point for oh, that boy. he does not get another point <laughs> the judges were going to dock you the point if you didn't get the oh. parentheses part so. <laughs> you're being strict here's the fun fact when mtv launched in 1981 the race was on to come up with unusual concepts for music videos journey staked their claim with the first ever air band video that's right The group played pretend instruments for much of this video. Journey was dragged kicking and screaming into the video era. They knew MTV exposure was crucial for sales, but they hated making the videos and left the concepts up to the directors, which is how they ended up on a wharf playing pretend musical instruments. Not not the best video. (laughs) 
no, no, it's not. So, Mark, here's song three. This is our final song. It's from 1984 and belongs to R&B slash soul dance rock adult contemporary genre, according sure. to Google. Was that, I thought that was like six rolled into one there. What Are we short on time? So it belongs to every genre. I hope that okay. helps. It's a long time. <laughs> Let's give a listen to the judge's version. No, don't try to change her. Just leave it. Leave it. You're not the only one. Ooh, seeing is believing. It's the only way. You never know. Oh. I love that you'll never oh oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. I mean <laughs> the judges aren't much for performances. You'll never know. Oh. I'm, uh, this is just I'm guessing so I don't get slime. So uh you'll never know. It's it's Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Easy lover. Yeah. Let's see if he's right. <laughs> That's a great poll, Mark. Well wow. done. Good job, Mark. <laughs> the answer of the show so far. All right. <laughs> but you still lost the round. <laughs> you want to kick my dog? I mean, what the <laughs> what's the final score for round two, Robin? Jim has 20 points. Mark has two. <laughs> Mark has 13. Oh, 14. Just... I'm sorry. Why can't I do this? I'm terrible today. Well, Mark's my best friend. Give him one of my points. <laughs> hey 20 to 14 is not too bad going into dysfunctional no, family feud i'll say congratulations jim you have the most points in round two that means that you and i are going to take a secret trip to the prize vault where you're going to select a prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round but before we do that let's hear a quick word from our sponsor mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll will return after In the News and these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth among friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. And now, back to the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll. Before we start round three, now is our last chance to solve the power struggle question, to steal the power and score five points and go first in round three. So, Mark, you need to name. <laughs> you're shaking your head. Yeah, you're not feeling <laughs> confident in this. I don't even have one of those yet. <laughs> not one of them? Okay, we're going to listen to it one last time. Here's your final listen to the power struggle. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. <laughs> Mickey's a mouse, Donald's a duck, Pluto's a dog. What's Goofy? <laughs> okay, Mark, one through five. Knight Rider, Donkey Kong, Wonder Years. <laughs> Wonder Years. Dead Poet Society. <laughs> and one more, put us out of our misery. It's the fugitives on there. Yes. <laughs> Judges, did he get all five correct and in the correct order? You're kidding. That's blasphemy. <laughs> Mark, we have a first on the show. You're the first person to not get any of the power struggle <laughs> clips correct. Not even Knight Rider, huh? Not even Knight Rider. I'm shocked you didn't get the second one at least. Wow. I'm sorry if that's incorrect, Mark. Now, Mark, it's off to the Phantom Zone with you. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I hope you pick a decent prize. Give me your Christmas gift. <laughs> round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Let's welcome Mark back in from the Phantom Zone. All right, I hope you you got us something good. Wait till Christmas, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via our newsletter. The player who has the power, that's you, Jim, gets to answer first with player two unable to hear the responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim their chance at a prize that Jim selected in secret. 
If you would like to take part in Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, sign up for our newsletter on our website, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your fun answers on the show. Okay, let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Yeah. Mark, you're going back into the Phantom Zone. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. I guess I brought him in too early. Whoopsie. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a TV game show that you would most want to be a contestant on in the 80s. The price is right. Where's the best birthday destination to have your party at when you were a kid? Chuck E. Cheese. Live action or animated? Name the coolest spaceship from a Gen X movie. The Millennium Falcon, of course. Rounding to the nearest dollar, how much money did you make per hour at your first job? Three dollars and ten cents. Rounding to the near. Oh, sorry, three dollars. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and finally, it's gonna be hard for you, Jim. What was the best song by the band Nirvana? Ugh. That first one that really ruined everything. Uh, <laughs> smells like Teen Spirit or something. <laughs> okay, let's bring <laughs> Mark back in from the Phantom Zone. Okay, Mark, we have Jim's answers recorded. I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Jim. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you're going to hear this sound, and I'll ask you for another answer. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a TV game show that you would most want to be a contestant on in the 80s. Where was the best birthday destination to have your party at when you were a kid? Peter Piper Pizza. Try again. Chuck E. Cheese. Try again. All pizza places are taken off the board. Disneyland. <laughs> Live action or animated, name the coolest spaceship from a Gen X movie. <laughs> I got to say the SS Minnow, but that's not it. It's the, it's the, <laughs> oh, you're like him. The uh, Star Trek one, uh, the USS Enterprise. Rounding to the nearest dollar, how much money did you make per hour at your first job? Three bucks. Try again. Four bucks. And the last question is, what was the best song by the band Nirvana? Smells like Teen Spirit. Try again. Lithium. Let's go to the scores. Question one was, name a TV game show that you would want to be a contestant on in the 80s. Jim, you said. The Price is Right, which was our number one answer. It's worth 35 points. Well done. Mark, you gave us. Press your luck, which was worth 26 points. All right. That's close. <laughs> Mark was actually on the prices right. Yeah, I was on the prices right. Really? Yeah. I can see that, Mark. Either that or let's make a deal. I could see you in like a giant burrito outfit or something. And... Hey, turn me away at the door. <laughs> so going into round three, Jim had 20 points and Mark had 14. We're going to add this to your total for question one, which brings the score to Jim with 55 and Mark with 40. <laughs> 15 points separate you. Not a big deal. We get information from these surveys from our listeners via our newsletter, and we get some interesting replies. So I'd like to give some of these honorable mentions to some of these creative and entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to Wheel of Fortune, the real one where I could buy a concrete Dalmatian. <laughs> there was the brave soul who wanted to go on American Gladiator. Yeah. 
And the person who thought outside the box and said Battle of the Network Stars. Oh, oh yeah, wow. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd go for that. Where was the best birthday destination to have your party at when you were a kid? <laughs> Jim, you said Chuck E. Cheese. Again, our number one answer <laughs> worth 32 points. Mark, you tried to give us Peter Piper picked a pack of pizzas or whatever you said. <laughs> Peter Piper pizza. <laughs> but, but you did give us Disneyland, which unfortunately <laughs> was only worth three points. Oh, man, the happiest place on earth. Come on. All in wants to go there. Lunch too Crazy. Disneyland is way better place to go for your birthday than Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. You'll celebrate exactly. your next birthday waiting in line. No, thanks. <laughs> oh, see. Honorable mentions go to the votes for squirrel hunting. They do that on the backwoods of Kentucky. I mean, what yeah. is that they do on your 12th birthday? Yeah, I don't know if you're going squirrel hunting for your birthday, but you know, whatever floats your boat. There's a vote for either of my divorced parents' homes because I got two <laughs> sets of gifts. And finally, someone let a boomer in the room who said, we didn't do birthday destinations like these spoiled little turds nowadays. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> to which I say, look, bro, if you didn't have your birthday at either an arcade a pizza place, McDonald's, or a roller rink at least once in your life, then your parents did not love you. Absolutely. <laughs> Question three was, live action or animated, name the coolest spaceship from Generation X. Jim, you gave us... Millennium Falcon, which, again, number one answer, worth 40 points. Good ah, job, Jim. Uh, I'm never going to hear the end of this. I have to do a podcast with this guy. Come on. <laughs> this is going to go on for years. Going first in dysfunctional family feud definitely helps. But, Mark, let's reveal your answer. USS Enterprise, which was worth 28 points. Uh, not shabby. It's not the Falcon, but okay. <laughs> I thought X-Wing or Slave 1 was a cooler looking ship than the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, oh, oh definitely, definitely. Yeah. The X-Wing was, but, but but you know what? Even the Colonial Viper from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I agree. Hey, Mark, you'll have to excuse Jim and I. We're going to nerd out for a little bit and talk no about spaceships. The Falcon was all about its personality. Had nothing, right. The shape of it, it was the personality. Okay. Uh, it, but it, at every turn, Every turn, someone's making fun of the Falcon, calling it a piece of junk. Leia saying, you came in that thing? And still say the Death Star. Yep, it did. Or destroyed Robert, the are you at all interested in this it at all? A vital <laughs> role in conversation. <laughs> Moving on. Honorable mentions goes to the votes for the pod injected inside Martin Short in the movie <laughs> Inner Space. I, I really thought we were going somewhere else with that, but okay, I, I, I got it. So. <laughs> no, injected with a syringe. Of a I got right. you. <laughs> okay. Different kind of injection than what you're thinking. Uh, my favorite answer was the Great Space Coaster. I love that one. Oh, wow. The and then there was space coaster. the Klingon bird of prey because they came included with humpback whales. And finally, shout out to the person who did not understand the question and replied with Wonder Woman's invisible jet, which is neither a spaceship nor is it cool. No. And you're just looking up, seeing a girl squatting. It doesn't really make <laughs> sense, man. I mean, it's just, it's weird. It's just Who weird in, in a sitting position. It's just weird. <laughs> Imagine you're just sitting there. You look up and you're like, is that girl squatting? Oh, what the hell's going on up there, man? It'd be weird. After three questions, what's the score, Robin? The score is, you know, Jim has a heavy lead. He's gotten three number ones in a row, but it's 127 to 71. I hate you, Jim. You were close up until this. I hate you. <laughs> Two questions remain. Anything can still happen. Yeah, true, true. Question four, rounding to the nearest dollar, how much money did you make per hour at your first job? Jim, you gave us... $3, which was worth 25 points. And Mark, you gave us... 
$4, which was our number one answer, for 30 points. You're making a comeback, Mark. In your face. In your face. McDonald's was cheap asses. <laughs> Honorable mentions for this one are, I worked for my dad, so all I got for working after school was a place to live. <laughs> one person who clearly is a fan of the show voted for $6.09. Ah, yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> and also, the vote for... <clears throat> One quid, two farthings, 22 shillings, and a sixpence an hour, plus all the bubble and squeak I could eat. But since that's in British currency, and we have no clue how much that is in real money, and assume <laughs> that it's as valuable as the monopoly money it resembles. But at least both of the British listeners are still listening. <laughs> Do those wages sound right to you, British listeners? Also, what the hell is bubble and squeak? <laughs> We're waiting to hear from you. And it all comes down to our final question which was, what was the best song by the band Nirvana? Yeah. Jim, you held your nose and you gave us... Smells Like Teen Spirit, worth 25 Imagine points. that. What's his grand total, Robin? That brings his grand total to 176 points. Uh, gotta be a high score. That could be one of the highest scores we've ever had. Dave, Jim. don't play into him. Shut well done. I'm just saying. I'm an impartial third party here. I want that recalculated before you post anything. Oh, I here we go. Sure Stealing votes. <laughs> Mark, you have 101 going into this question, so you do need 76 to get the edge. <laughs> All right. 76 points. <laughs> Mark, you gave us... Lithium, which was only worth 19. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just short. I'm just short. That was not quite enough to beat Jim's score, Mark. I'm sorry. But that is Jim. You've won the game. Congratulations. You're doing part of the Generation X. It's rigged. It's rigged. Shut up, Mark. You know, Zave, I think, I really think that Jim would love to hear the number two answer. It's from Nirvana, so it is number two. What's the number two answer, Robin? Number two answer is fuck Nirvana, hair metal forever. Unfortunately, Mark, that means that you lost this episode. And I'm sorry things didn't go quite your way on the show. But did you have a good time anyways? Absolutely. It was a blast. I'm glad we did this. I didn't know what to expect coming in, but I, it, it's fun times. I recommend it. Here's a side note for this last survey question. Boy, this question got a lot of hate from those surveyed. There are a lot of Gen Xers out there with some very strong negative feelings towards Nirvana. And some going so far as to say that Nirvana does not even belong to Generation X at all. Thank you. Love them or hate them, they very much clearly made music for our generation. And they were popular before half of us were even out of high school. So maybe they meant more to the later part of Gen X than those born before 1973. In any case, here are some honorable mentions for the best Nirvana song. Smells Like Nirvana by Weird Al got a lot of votes. <laughs> Anything by the Foo Fighters got a mention. <laughs> That's awful! And finally, there was one dude who ranted in his reply, and I'll just read a very small part of his response to what he said was the best Nirvana song. Quote, oh, I don't know. What's the best body part? Sorry. What's the best body part to slam repeatedly into a car door? What is the best acidic compound to squirt into your eyeballs? Which arm would you rather have slowly chewed off by Sam, that redheaded kid from the later seasons of Different Strokes? What you talking about, Sam? Look, maybe I'm alone in this. And if I am, that's okay, because I'm used to it. But I effing hated Nirvana. 
Thank you. I love that guy. Give me his email. I want to send him. Thank you. Mark will have to send him a $3 gift card. (laughs) If we get your address, I'm sending it. (laughs) To this day, I said I would. I don't know if you went back all the way back to episode two, but we had this fight on our show. About how I know that's why I made that joke. Oh, okay, great. Because <laughs> Nirvana sucks. <laughs> First of all, can you guys tell the, the story of why you chose your name? Sort of the, the real meaning of Nirvana and how you tied it into punk. Can you kind of, kind of tell that story? Here's what a story about a lovely lady who had who was bringing up three very lovely girls. For winning the game, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Jim until I'm the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy that item for Jim and have it shipped out. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes Jim had to pick from and reveal what was chosen. As is show tradition, we offer these garbage bill kids of gymnasium, which kind of speaks for itself, (laughs) or on the mark, showing a child being pelted with arrows in his butt. Garbage bill kids always stay in classic. Next, we have this handsome lobby card poster of the movie Naked Gun for you to make your own Leslie Nielsen tribute, but you'll have to provide your own inappropriate music. To remind you what could have been, we offer you this promotional poster of the never-released video game of The Last Starfighter. It's never too late, Atari. Get moving on it. Next is this hand-signed 4x6 headshot of show killer Ted McGinley from Married with Children. Ted's autograph is on it, and it is personalized, but the name is illegible, so you might be able to pass it off to your friends as your name. I didn't know that. (laughs) Gotta read the fine print. Next is the most expensive item in the prize vault. It's an official Happy Days Fonzie pendant with a 24-inch chain. Ooh. Ah. (laughs) It is a bronzed image of Fonzie's face on it, embossed in a circle medallion. It looks much less like Henry Winkler's face and more like Han's frozen in carbonite, but it is still rad. Liven up your breakfast with these Star Wars pancake molds from Williams and Sonoma. Ooh. You can now make pancakes that resemble the faces of Darth Vader, Yoda, or a Stormtrooper. And if you eat enough of them, you'll end up looking like Java. So that's a bonus. (laughs) Next, we have a Star Wars Darth Vader hand-painted fan art painting. It's a cool picture of Vader and his lightsaber. The listing reads, the painting is handmade and comes with no certificate of authenticity. <laughs> so you can be sure you're getting a true original piece. That's not really reassuring. I'm not really sure that's what that means, but <laughs> nevertheless, your eBay listing should always include what is not included in the list. Finally, you can scratch off owning your own Rambo style survival knife off your bucket list with this Survival Rambo knife with compass. Many Gen X kids watching First Blood dreamed of owning their own survival knife to live off the land and eat things that would make a billy goat puke. And now you can with this Rambo knife. So Jim, tell us what you picked and why. I picked the uh, Star Wars uh, Star, Star Wars Darth Vader hand-painted art, uh, art painting just because it looked cool. It does look cool. Let's place a bid. Why is it? The opening bid is $5 and it won't let me bid $5. So I'll bid $5.50 for some reason. Inflation, man. Or, oh, wait, maybe I just increased my bid. Yep, I did. Okay. I placed two bids on this item. And if this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy it for you. Good luck, Jim. Thanks. <laughs> That's something. Yeah, it is something. It's cool. I think it's right. That is cool. It's kind of cool. But it's got one like one jacked up corner. You see that? I didn't yeah. know. That. Oh, that's why it's going for five bucks and not 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, hey guys, do you have any shout outs or things you'd like to plug on the show? I would. First of all, thanks for having us on. This was a blast. You guys were fantastic. But of course, we'd love for you guys to tune on into our warp world. Me and Jim got uh, a banter back and forth with each other. We think it's kind of funny. I Thanks. This was a blast. This was Jim's idea. So I really had a good time. Thank you. Listeners, if you enjoy the personalities you've heard on this episode, then you will definitely enjoy our warped world. We will have a link to the podcast in the show notes, and I, I recommend you give them a little check out. See what you Thanks think. Thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate it. I have one shout out to give. A huge thank you to Matt Williams, our newest supporter on Patreon. Matt wrote us and asked for something special for his shout out for a very special person in his life. Now we're up to our long distance dedication. And this one is from a young man in Canada whose life has begun like a bad dream. He writes, Dear Casey. Whoa, 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 judges. I don't think that last part was really necessary. This is a romantic long distance dedication from Matt to his wife, Amy. We asked Matt what sweet and romantic words we can say here on the show on his behalf to the love of his life, Amy. And he replied back to us with, quote, shout out to Amy from Matt. My name's Casey Kasem, reminding you to keep your feet in the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Matt did tell us that Amy was a huge Michael J. Fox fan and asked for a clip in her honor. Thank you so much for your support, Matt and Amy. This one is just for you. Guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are going to love it. Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you will see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those if you are interested. If you'd like, you can head over to whowillsavegenx.com and learn all about the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you could ever want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. In either case, thanks so much for listening. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will say Generation X? Later. Dad. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.